When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Mind Love, episode 160. Today's episode is all about your energy blueprint through human design. When you talk about like, you know, cultivating romantic relationships or building a business or marketing or even eating, you know, human design speaks to eating. Like there's so much blanket advice out there of like, this is how you should do it. And like human design just reveals that we actually each have a totally unique path and our blueprint is different. And where we get tripped up is when we try to walk a path that's not ours, you know? And so I think that just like the reminder that we all need different things to operate differently, need to market differently and build businesses differently is so empowering because it just is like how you succeed might not be how I succeed and that's okay. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. Hi, friends. First of all, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, make sure to hit the subscribe button so you're always updated about new episodes. Plus, you want to know basically the best way to give back to your favorite podcasts? Actually, go to the iTunes app and leave a five-star review. Reviews are scientifically proven to make me love you more. That's just how it is. I love you when you leave me a review. You sit in my heart for days at a time. No, but seriously, they really help the growth of the show. They're probably the number one thing that you can do besides supporting my sponsors or joining the membership. So it's an easy, free way to give back to a podcast you love. And if you do leave me a review, send it to me at mindlovemelissa on Instagram, and I'll send you a free meditation track. Today, I want to share a review that totally lit up my world. It's from Alexandra Zita, and she says, I went from not being into podcasts to listening to every single episode of Mind Love. Melissa does so much work to make these important and personal topics available for others, and I can't get enough insight from her and her guests. Thank you for sharing your cultivated knowledge. I'd recommend this to anyone, and specifically for the individual on a self-journey. So thank you so much, Alexandra. So I recorded this episode months and months ago, and somehow the file just got lost, which has never happened before. So you know what that means? That means that something about releasing this episode right now is the absolute perfect timing, whether for the universe or for me and my show or for you. So if you've been curious about human design and you're like, wow, this is perfectly timed, then this episode is probably for you. But the next time, please don't intend for your manifestations to screw with my organization. Please and thank you. So as I said, today we're talking about human design with one of the top human design experts that I know. So what is it? Human design is a combination of ancient and modern sciences which is right up my alley because I fully believe that the more we discover in science, the more it will explain the mechanics behind spirituality. Well, human design is a system that explains how you were built and how to best respond to the world. So it's kind of like a combination between astrology and Myers-Briggs. Actually, according to Wikipedia, it combines astrology, I Ching, Kabbalah, and the chakras. 
What's really cool is it doesn't just stop at your psychology. It also gives you strategies and techniques for making decisions according to that psychology, which for a lot of people makes life easier and more fulfilling. When you get a human design reading, you get what's called a body graph chart. It looks like a really scientific version of the chakra system with numbers and triangles and all these connections. Well, I got a really in-depth human design reading back in May of 2018, and what I found out really changed the way that I approached my work. So there are four different aura types that each have their own strategy. And by strategy, I mean a way to approach your life in a way that works with your natural energy instead of against it. And we'll get into all of this more in depth in the interview. I found out that I am a combination of two types, the manifester and the generator, which is called a manifesting generator. People like me are designed to respond to life before initiating energy. So one huge takeaway I had was that it's totally okay for me to wait for opportunities to come to me instead of pushing so hard to create them right off the bat. Well, as an entrepreneur, I always thought that I was supposed to make bold moves and take big risks all the time. But when I look back at my biggest successes, a lot of them somehow presented themselves to me. I still showed up with good energy and a mindset open to opportunity, and I still made connections and had an intention to make a difference. I wasn't just sitting at home on my couch hoping something would happen. But often the actual opportunities or partnerships or even jobs were offered to me rather than me really going out and asking for them or applying for a bunch. And don't get me wrong, I still do take big moves and I create, but it's usually in response to something presented to me somehow. I see an opportunity and I capitalize on it rather than just creating one out of the blue. This is the most efficient use of my energy. And for manifesting generators, efficient use of energy is what brings them the most satisfaction. And that honestly was a powerful realization. I had been forcing myself to work in a way that doesn't work with my natural energy. And then I would feel depleted and I'd get down on myself. But according to my human design type, I meet the most resistance when I mentally initiate things, which goes against everything I learned in entrepreneur school <laughs> or from Gary Vee or whoever's telling you to just go out there and hustle. So what I'm getting at is that human design is pretty fascinating, and there's a possibility that knowing your human design can change the way that you approach the world. And today we're talking to Erin Claire Jones. She's a human design guide and leadership coach. She's helped thousands of people and even companies step into their highest potential. So when I was first getting all intrigued by human design, I started asking around who I can interview, and it seemed like everyone pointed me to Erin, so I'm really grateful that I was able to speak with her. Three key things we will learn are all about the human design types, how to manage your energy centers, and how your type can impact your relationships, whether it's romantic, friendship, or business. Also, this interview was recorded via Zoom instead of my normal method, and I'm not quite as happy about the sound, but the value is still there, so hopefully it's not too bothersome. And at the end of this interview, I'll be giving you a link to Check your human design type for free, so stick around for that. But before we dive in, do you wish you could start each day with a little note from your higher self? Just sign up for the Morning Mind Love for daily inspirational messages right to your inbox. I get messages from people every single day about how the Morning Mind Love is their favorite way to start their day, or that the message that came through is exactly what they needed to hear. 
It's kind of like your own personal inspiration oracle. Just visit mindlove.com and sign up right there on the homepage. Plus, you'll get some amazing free gifts when you do, like a free guided binaural affirmation meditation designed to rewire your brain to your highest self. And you'll get one of my favorite tools, a booklet of my personal power lists to help you gain clarity and live each day with intention. And it's all completely free. Just go to mindlove.com to sign up. Or if you're out and about, text the word MORNING to 33777. That's MORNING to 33777. And now let's welcome Erin Claire Jones to the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So to get started, what is human design exactly and how did you become interested in it? Yeah, so human design is a system that is based on your exact time, date, and place of birth. And the idea is that it really gives you your energetic DNA. So it helps you understand how you're meant to make decisions and communicate and work within teams and cultivate relationships and truly all the things. Um, it's very kind of very grounded and actionable. And there are about 2 billion different configurations. So there's a lot of different types and ways of doing things. And human design just really helps us understand kind of our own uniqueness and gives us the tools to step into it. And it was definitely not my plan to, you know, work within the world of human design. I don't think I had no idea what it was growing up, but I was introduced to it very serendipitously in New York where I live in 2015 and basically had somebody sit next to me at a gathering and look at my human design on his phone and kind of reflected back all these things about myself that felt like so familiar and so innate, but it felt like something I'd never really allowed myself to step into. And so it just really transformed me so profoundly on an individual level. And then I ended up pretty immediately after that working with him and then launching my own practice in 2018 and just, you know, with the goal of making human design incredibly practical and accessible and grounded, because I think more than anything, it just gives people permission to be themselves. And I think so often we don't need more information. We just need like the right tools at the right time to kind of make the right changes in our lives. And I think human design can really do that. And my work is not only with individuals, but also with teams to kind of really help them understand how they can best function as a unit um, and just kind of find more efficacy and harmony there. Well, speaking of having more information, it's interesting because I love all these tools that teach me more about myself, but sometimes it can get overwhelming. It's like we have 100%. our astrology readings and 16 personalities and our strength finders. So what really makes human design unique or different or why do you feel like that's one of the best ways to learn about yourself? Yeah. So a couple of different reasons. And again, like I also think different systems are going to resonate with different people. So I'm not like, you know, human design is the only way. I think they all provide such value. I think for me, it was very clearly the way, but again, I think that they all can be valuable in different ways. So I think, you know, there's a real difference between like human design and astrology and like Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs or DISC or StrengthsFinder because, you know, human design and astrology are not about answering questions, you know, based on kind of who we think we are. And I think what's magical about human design is it not only reveals like all the things that we're conscious and aware of, but also all the things that are underneath the surface, kind of all this like energetic stuff that's a little bit deeper and helps us understand how to work with that. And so I know that like, I love, you know, the personality typing systems, like I've done weekend workshops, they're so fun for me, but I also think that it got me a little bit in my head. Like, cause I would kind of diagnose myself differently based on where I was in my life or why I was answering the questions. And so I think there's a simplicity to human design, which I appreciate. And I think in terms of what distinguished it for me, I think with astrology, you know, they're honestly just different systems. Like human design does pull from astrology as well as the Kabbalah and the I Ching and the chakra system and quantum physics and genetics. Like the idea is that it's just like a master system. It pulls from so many different systems to give us a blueprint to how we operate. But I think what drew me to it is it really at its heart is around how we make decisions, you know, and how we 
kind of make decisions in a way that can be truly aligned for us. And I think that just felt so actionable for me. I was just like, oh my God, we spent so much of our lives making decisions and trying to cultivate opportunities for ourselves. And human design just helps us understand how we can uniquely do it in a way that works for us. And I think just to give a little bit of context, like the three pieces that man that I mentioned shared with me that first night was like, one, he was like, Aaron, you're really not meant to do all the doing. And I had spent so much of my life, like trying to be a doer, like just like trying to keep up in all the startups I was working in. He was like, you're a much better leader and guider than you are a doer, leader, leader and guide. Sorry. And he also was like, you're not meant to initiate any of the things like He's like, you know, like in terms of big opportunities, like you'll be recognized, you'll be invited in, trust that your job is to make people make yourself visible and let people know that you exist, but wait for the invitation. And also that I really wasn't designed to make decisions impulsively or in the moment, but I was meant to kind of really like feel into things before I made a big decision. And I had been operating so opposite those three things. So I think there's just like such actionable pieces that we can take into our lives that tend to really transform things in a really big way. So let's get into the human design types. So I got yeah. really into human design uh, a couple of years ago for like two weeks and then I kind of <laughs> fell off, but I looked it up and I was yeah. uh, just learning about how to actually interact with the world. And I remember being really enlightened and feeling empowered by what I had learned. But uh, again, I kind of forgot a lot of it. So I'm excited for this refresher. So what are, I know that there are five main types. One of them is kind of a combination of two. So what do those mean? First is the manifester. What's that one? So the manifestors are about eight to 9% of the population. And these are the people that are really here to kind of initiate and get things started. So the ones that are here to kind of get the ball rolling, light the fire, not always here to do all the doing, but just to get the ball rolling. Um, They often need a lot of freedom and autonomy and control. They're not really here to be told what to do or managed or guided in any way. And their strategy is about initiating. Like as soon as they get that urge, they're meant to make the first move, whether that not that comes to kind of dating or business. Um, and also a very important part of their design is around communication and basically keeping people in the loop. If they just kind of like go on their own path and don't keep people in the loop of what they're choosing, people can be very resistant towards them. So a very simple tool for them is just like once they made a decision, reflecting on all the people that decision is going to impact and basically letting them know before they do it. And so that's often like the least natural thing in the world for manifestors, but it can be so impactful when they start to kind of really just inform and keep people in the loop of what they're choosing. The manifestor, I remember learning about that and being like, I wish I could be a manifestor. It sounds just so magical. But I think that there's a lot of power when you really just embrace the type that you are as well. And I wanted to (laughs) make sure that listeners know. So we find these human designs based on similar to how we find our astrological sign, right? It's based on date and time and place of birth, correct? Exactly. <clears throat> yeah, okay, exactly. so it's not like a personality test you take. It's it's very just by the those numbers. Yeah, by those numbers. And then basically like once you enter them in, you'll see this crazy looking graph of basically how the energy is moving in your body. And that reveals aspects around the decision-making, where you're the most sensitive, what your natural strengths are. But yeah, it's based on those three pieces of information, which is like, so, you know, I work with a lot of teams and they'll like send it to people they're hiring. That's, they're like, that's literally all you need to know. Um, but I think my experience is once people hear the information, they're like, oh my God, yes. So they stop caring where it comes from. When I think of manifestors, I think of, I worked for a CEO that <laughs> was really difficult to work for, but it was also yeah. kind of interesting to watch him 
interact or just kind of the way he created because he wasn't the type that had really any of the skills of what he was building but he'd have an idea and he'd know how to get the people together and then people would start working towards it and he'd know how to bring in the investors and all of this stuff which is really powerful but I think a lot of us think well we need to have all these skills and so we spend all this time trying to build up our skill set so that we can create something when that's not always how it works. Exactly. And and it's such a good example where it's like they kind of rally all the people. But again, like he or they would be living in their wisdom if they're just like my my role is like in the initiating and getting the thing off the ground. And then I've got to hand the thing off and move on to the next one. You know, where manifestors get super burnt out is like once they brought something to life, it's like I've got to keep building and sustaining and maintaining the thing rather than kind of giving themselves the permission to move on. So the next one is the generator. What is a generator? So generator is basically very similar to manifesting generator, which we'll talk about, I'm sure in a second, but generators are kind of like the builders, the creators, the doers. They're kind of meant to wake up in the morning with like a full tank of energy to use up their energy in super satisfying ways and kind of crash and wake up recharge. The more they're using their energy in ways that feel like personally satisfying around their work, their relationships, the more energy they feel and the more energy they create for everyone around them. Um, And so it's just so important for them to like honestly do work that they really love and use their energy in super satisfying ways because they just like feel so much momentum when they do. Um, And they're also just like very masterful. They often like go deep into a process and then like when it's time to move on, they will. And so their strategy is basically about magnetism. So whereas the manifestors are meant to initiate and kind of like make something happen. Generators are meant to magnetize things to them and kind of wait for their gut to light up in response to something. And then as soon as they get the gut response, they can go make something happen. But so often they've been felt the pressure to like go like, you know, chase after things and initiate. And it really is about kind of waiting for that gut to light up. And then that's the indicator that they actually be energy for something. We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. That's why it's so important to consciously curate what you can control, like who you surround yourself with, what you watch, what you listen to. So I'm going to add another podcast to your toolbox, The Dr. John Deloney Show. He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I really need to get something off my chest. Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard and sometimes it has me questioning my sanity. But then he'll grab my face and call me his sweet little mama. Yes, that's a real thing he says. (laughs) And it will all melt away until I break his banana. I thought I was done with emotionally abusive relationships, but nope. We all carry around stressors, big and small. And when we keep them all bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For me, just talking things through is hugely helpful, but it's so hard finding friends and family that are unbiased or non-judgmental. And therapy isn't just about dealing with major trauma, you know? 
It's about learning healthy coping mechanisms, setting boundaries, becoming the best version of yourself. And BetterHelp makes it super convenient too. Everything's done online so you can fit therapy sessions around your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash mindlove today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash mindlove. Yeah, it really makes sense because you the word generator makes you think of energy. Like you buy a generator yeah. to create energy. And so if you're working yeah. from that space of energy, it really reminds me of how an empath in general should be working because they're so based on, you know, they're they're absorbing the energy around them, they're spreading the energy around them, and it's just very energy-based. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just like, they're like the most magnetic, sparkly creatures in the world and they're lit up by what they're doing, you know, but often generators have so many lessons to learn around boundaries. You know, it's because they have such amazing natural vitality. People can really want to take advantage of it and not like in a malicious way. It's just like, oh, can you like handle this or go to this place with me? You know, and just like really starting to trust that where they create the most value is when they actually are so lit up and energized by a thing and not doing something just because they think they should or because somebody asked them to. Yeah, I tell people that it took me until like probably early 30s to even really understand what boundaries were because I get so absorbed in other people's energies. And so it feels like the thing on the top of my priority list because I can sometimes feel their energy more than at that time I had defined my own. So that makes a ton Mm -hmm. of sense. Mm -hmm. Now, how is a generator different than a manifesting generator, which seems like a combination of the manifester and the generator? I believe that's what I was. I think you pulled up my chart. So what is that one? So basically, you know, they are very similar to generators in that like one, you're also here to be like a builder, a creator, a doer, have this like amazing energy to bring things to life. The difference is that rather than often doing just one thing at a time, like you're often going to thrive, at least according to your design and doing lots of things. It's like, these are my clients that are like, I'm a lawyer, I'm a mom, I have a podcast, I'm a coach. Like they're just all the things. And that is their magic. They're very multi-passionate. And so often they've been made to feel like they're scattered or like they're doing too much, but they often need that level of stimulation to kind of be successful and feel excited. Um, They also move very quickly. And so their gift is really in bringing something to life very quickly and in doing so they can skip a few steps along the way. So it's always really good ideally to have people around them that can like kind of handle the step-by-step process so they can kind of be in this powerful and creative flow. But you know, they are very similar to the generator in that they share a strategy where you also as a manifesting generator are meant to let things come to you. You're not really meant to chase after things, but it's like trusting that your energy is so magnetic, so enveloping, always pulling things to you. And as soon as you kind of get that gut response and for you, actually, there's an added layer of like sleeping on things, you know, for a night or two before you do, then you can kind of go make something happen. But rather than like initiating and trying to make something happen before you kind of have that clear indicator that you really need the energy for it. What I find really interesting is so much of the message we've been told about what it takes to really be successful. First of all, I think we're realizing has come from like that masculine form of success and the masculine energy. But also I noticed that a lot of it is more geared towards what would be a manifester. And so for my life, like you said, the generators or the manifesting generators have felt have been told they're scattered or that's how people look at them. I feel that I thought, or maybe I did have ADD. I still am very, uh, resistant to identifying with that label because I found a way to manage it, but it's sometimes just the simple mindset shifts of looking at things in an empowering way. And since when does anyone tell you in like some 
course on being successful, hey, don't initiate things, wait for it to come to you. Know. <laughs> you know, like know. you don't ever hear that. And you there's really so don't. much power in that. And I will say, I have made some bold moves. But a lot of times the bold moves I've made have just been expanding my network in mm. some bolder way. And because of that, it does attract me to that or attract people to offer me opportunities. So I've been offered way more than I've been than I've created yeah. just on my own. So that makes perfect sense. Yeah. And it's, and it's all like an experiment. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean that like you can never initiate and like, and you might not have success when you do, but often you're going to experience so much more resistance when you do. And like, it's just like, there's so much that you naturally magnetize and often things are going to like move so much more in flow when you just like trust that. And one important distinction, because like this concept, it's called waiting to respond or responding in human design. It can feel passive. And like, you're definitely, I had a client who was like, Aaron, I've like been sitting on the couch for a week, like nothing's happening. I was like, oh no, no, no. Waiting to respond is not passive. It's like, you're going to be so busy doing what you love and then kind of paying attention to what shows up in your world when you do. And it doesn't need to be an invitation. Like you could be like looking on Instagram and see somebody and get like a gut response. Go chase that thing. You know, you could be like listening to a talk and you hear somebody like light you up, you pursue them, you know? So you're just kind of waiting for your gut to light up in response to something in the world around you. That makes a lot of sense. I've, I share with people often because I get a lot of people asking, how do I find my purpose? How do I find my purpose? And I can see them putting all this pressure on themselves. Mm -hmm. And what my advice is usually is to find something that gives you purpose just for today. And that is actually responding. It's like, what is lighting you up right now? What are you getting that brief idea of doing? And it might have nothing to do with a bigger purpose in life. But (laughs) when I've done those things, when I've responded to those things, I meet the right person or I overhear somebody say something that gives me an idea. And then it's just like following these breadcrumbs to something bigger. And I trust even now, like, yes, I feel very purposeful in what I'm doing. I plan to do it for a really long time, but the way that it unfolds and the direction I bring my business is always changing. Like long-term goals are very vague for me so that I can (laughs) follow that inspiration. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And like so much of your design specifically, it's like your direction and purpose emerges when you just like follow what feels right in the moment. You know, it's just like this thing feels energizing right now. So I'll pursue it. And then like that will lead me to the next thing. And then the next thing it's not about like architecting or planning your like five-year goal. It's just like, exactly what you said. It's like, what's in my orbit now? What are the energy for? I will pursue that thing and the next step will emerge. And I always remind people, whatever our design is, is that like none of us are really meant to architect our future. It's often by kind of making these like one aligned decision at a time that like everything just emerges. Um, and do you resonate with the piece around kind of being multi-passionate and having your energy in a lot of things at once? Oh, a hundred percent. And, and I almost feel overwhelmed if I'm only in one thing, it's like I get bored of it or burnt out too easily. And so I was going to say, there's not always a ton of ways I'm making money, but there actually is. Like when we go out of town, we Airbnb our place. I do coaching. I do consulting. I do speaking. It's all (laughs) around one topic. So that's what I think I've really grown towards. Whereas before it used to be so many different things, but now Mm. I'm like, well, if I really want to become a master in what I'm doing, how can I split this one topic of knowledge or interest into a bunch of different ways that can stimulate different parts of my brain? But then I also need hobbies. Like I love Mm -hmm. to do yoga. I love to sing. I love to just do things where I'm I'm fully engulfed and not living in my head the whole time. I think that's really important for the balance of my happiness. Yes. I love that. You know, and so much of being a manifesting generator is giving yourself permission to pivot where you're like, I love making money this way right now. And like maybe in three months you're like, "Mm, it feels a little bit draining, you know, like what about this way? So it's just like allowing yourself to kind of keep moving and evolving and not getting like stuck in one linear path. 
And also, you know, there are other pieces of our design that kind of speak to where we're the most sensitive to kind of taking in other people's energy. And you mentioned the ADD piece or maybe ADHD earlier. And like, for you, you've got this incredibly open head center, which means that you're like literally can be inspired by like everything, you know, and taking in inspirations all the time. I find that a lot of people that have this open have been diagnosed with ADD and ADHD. And I'm like in no way a mental health professional, but it's just like a pattern that I've noticed with clients. I'm like, there is this tendency to be inspired by so much, but also like to lose focus, to feel scattered, to try to pursue all the ideas that come to you. And so, so much of your work in that aspect of your design is like not feeling a pressure to pursue all the inspirations that come to you, like letting your gut guide your energy. And also like these people often thrive with like very simple structure during the day, like just like a to-do list of like two to three things that kind of keep them on track um, so that they end the day and feel satisfied and not just like, wow, I pursued every whim and I'm not totally sure what I accomplished. That's actually the first key of me actually starting to make progress on my goals is instead of having a to-do list of 50 things, I I might have that thing. I would write down the 50 things, but I'd put it away and I'd choose just three. And that way I could feel like a success. And if I had more energy and I really wanted to, I could pull a couple more things, but still just putting a line in the sand and being like that already was success. Anything else is just over and beyond. So I love that one. Now, what is the projector? So projectors are basically here to kind of be our leaders, our guides, our advisors, our teachers, not here to do all the doing. So, so different than the generators and manifesting generators we've been talking about. Um, Basically, you know, for projectors, like our gift is really in our ability to like guide and support other people, often very naturally sensitive to energy, can make amazing CEOs, leaders, managers, or even coaches, therapists, psychologists, because we just like penetrate into people and make them feel very seen and recognized. Um, Often one-on-one work can be really useful. Um, And the kind of joke for us as projectors is that we're meant to work like three hours a day, which I know is like, I work more than that now. And it's like not always immediately desirable, but the idea is it's like not defining your worth based on how much you do or how hard you're working. It's really kind of in your perspective and the way that you see the world. So I've had two different human design businesses once when I first started and now with my partner and I've always had a generator or manifesting generator business partner. And it's been actually like, and I don't think that's always required, but that's been a really essential piece for me, you know, kind of like allowing me to focus on the human design and always having somebody kind of supporting in all the other ways. And the strategy for projectors is basically about waiting to really be kind of invited in and recognized. And the idea is that like, if we kind of just like chase after things and like are brought into things and expected to operate like a generator, it's hard to really be in our magic there. So you don't need an invitation when it comes to like, you know, moving to a new city or like setting a new system, but what involves like living with somebody, working with somebody, dating someone, so important to feel invited in and recognized. And I think that when I first discovered this aspect, I was like, how do I build a business as a projector, you know, waiting for an invitation. And I learned that so much of our job as projectors is basically about making ourselves visible. It's just like letting people know that you exist, sharing about what you do in a really broad, inspired way, and kind of letting the right people find you. And so, yeah. And so it's often like projectors have often been trying to be generators their whole lives. So it can be really relieving to discover that's maybe not the way that they're meant to do things. Yeah, it is so interesting how just the shift in how you look at something can really change whether or not you're walking into that empowered or disempowered. And it's like going back 100%. to the ADD thing. It's like, are you scattered or are you multi-passionate? You know, like that's totally. a, it's the same thing in with a different word. And it's a lot of times I think the way we view ourselves is just by this like one person's opinion or how somebody tried to spin something negative. And so that's why I'm always like, well, can I look at this in a more empowered way, no matter what it is? And usually I can pretty quickly. And I'm like, oh, wow, that changes everything. Changes everything, you know? And I just like, 
I so often when I'm sitting with people, they just feel like this crazy sense of relief because they're like, I've actually always made myself wrong for everything that you're saying. You know, they like known the things and never given themselves permission to really step into it. So it's just like, it can be this crazy sense of relief where it's like, I like, you know, I came from the world of like startups and worked with a bunch of teams. And like, I just like pushed myself so hard because I'm like, I'm going to be a doer. I'm going to do so much. And it was just never sustainable, you know? And so I think just like learning human design, just like honestly reoriented my path in an entirely new way because I was like, oh, maybe that's not my gift. Like, let me just step into what feels more natural and easier and will be so much more successful for me. So the last one is the reflector. Now, Correct. what is the reflector? So reflectors are 1%, so very rare. And these are basically our collective mirrors. These are people that are incredibly sensitive to their physical environment and basically always taking in everything in their space and mirroring it back. So you really get a good sense of like how a company is doing, our team is doing, our community is doing just by how that reflector is showing up. So it's so important for reflectors to be like such ruthless curators of the people and the spaces they're around because they're basically going to magnify whatever space they're in. Their identity is always changing. They're going to appear to be like a generator, like a manifesting generator, like a manifestor, like a projector. And so to not try to put themselves into one box, but basically embrace the fluidity, allow themselves to kind of feel different around different people in different environments. You know, they might appear to be like, I can do so much. And the next week they're like, oh my God, I really just got to chill. You know, it's just like things are going to operate in ebbs and flows for them. Um, and then the last piece I'd share for them is just that like in the context of business, we call reflectors evaluators just because they've got like such a unique way of seeing the world and often see things that other people miss. And so it's really good for them to be in an environment where their kind of unique perspective and way of seeing the world is really like being invited in to be shared and, and valued. So when I hear the definitions of all of these, I feel like I can relate at least in a small part to almost all of them. Is that mm. normal? Yeah, I think the like type is just, do you feel like you resonate more with the manifesting generator? Or does it feel like everything feels pretty equal? I guess I would resonate more with the manifesting generator, but as you're saying what each of them are, I'm like, I mean, yes, I, I can relate to that in certain <laughs> ways, but, but again, it might be that that thing where I am, I do have a really open mind so I can often put myself in the shoes of whatever you're saying. Totally. I think that like, you know, what I'd say is that the type is just the first piece. Like, you know, I'll have people that are like, oh my God, I'm a generator. Like, I don't feel like that. And just like, when they start to get the full picture of their design, it starts to kind of all make sense together. So I think the type is like kind of requires like an oversimplification. So it's not, I think it's not abnormal that you resonate with all those pieces. Like the manifestor piece is definitely going to be alive in you in some way. Um, you know, the projector piece, like you know, you might not, you probably have a little bit more energy than us projectors, but also you have your own sensitivities. We all have different areas in our design where we're so sensitive and kind of able to guide and support other people. So there are different pieces of our design that can kind of speak to that, but we are all going to have like one kind of type um, and that will kind of inform our strategy, but then it just branches out from there in terms of how diverse and different we are. And what came to my mind as you were saying that is actually I think so often we've all thought that we need to be everything. And so my mind was just going to a way of, yeah, I felt that, or I've tried to step into those shoes or I've done this before. When really, if I were to go by the human design, it's more saying to me, hey, try this way of working and things might come a lot more easy for you. So all of those other ways I can work and maybe I have worked in the past, but it might not be where my strength is. And it might not be sustainable, you know, it's like, maybe it's like, oh my God, I've got to like put myself into one box or maybe I've got to chase after things. It's just like, it does show us a way of operating that just often feels better and is so much more successful for us. And I think that like, 
I had a little bit of nervousness early on because a lot of my work was with companies in addition to individuals. And I was like, you know, are they going to be so like skeptical? Like, or are they going to feel like I'm putting them into a box? And I just like feel like honestly, people often tend to feel really empowered. It's like they often don't feel very restricted. They're like, oh my God, I can do that. Like I can build my business in that way and build my career this way. And so I think it often just like makes people feel more excited because they get to kind of do it there in their own unique way. But like you said, it's like we can do whatever we'd want, you know, but often it's just going to feel better to do it in a way that's more aligned with our operating system. I think that's a good point to make too, is I remember way long ago when I was like in middle school or something and I learned what my sign was and I was like, oh, a Taurus is stubborn. And so I like stepped into being stubborn more than I ever had before. Uh And I think that there's something (laughs) to be said about making sure you're not using yeah. Using what you learn about yourself as a limitation or an excuse and instead seeing how you can use that information to expand or become exactly. stronger or work in a new way. Exactly. And I just think I always remind people of that when people are like, oh my God, like, you know, I'm like an athlete. Can I be a projector? Like I'm this, can I be this? And I'm just like, human design is not meant to be a thing that like disempowers us or makes us feel restricted. It's meant to actually be like a very empowering system. And we get to kind of play with it all for ourselves and define what works for us. So I think that like, it can be easy sometimes to use it as an excuse. And I have, you know, and it's just like, it's so important when that happens. I'm like, oh no, no, no. You know, that's, that's definitely not the appropriate way to be using this. So I think just always remember it's like meant to empower us and move us forward and like not restrict us. Like I've had people projectors be like, you know, can I like go on dates with people if I'm not like invited in and they don't ask me out. And it's just like, you know, always play with it. You know, most important for them, for example, is that like they need to be recognized. So if they feel recognized by the person that they met on an app, like lean into it more, you know, like just know that that invitation piece is key. So I think that like we can be fluid and flexible with all of it for sure. Yeah, I did want to touch on that because we tend to use these strengths as as a an idea or guidance towards a career path or what we're meant to do with our lives. Yeah. But learning about these things can speak to other ways that we show up in the world, like mm-hmm. in a personal way, like dating or friendships. How has have you found that your knowing your human design has impacted your relationships with other people, whether it is romantic mm-hmm. or friendship? Oh my God. Just like in the, in the biggest of ways, you know, it's like I, I had a session that yesterday with a mom with three kids, you know, kind of looking at and understanding their designs and how she could best parent them. I know that like, for me, understanding my partner, like we, I'm a projector, he's a generator. We're like, I make decisions by sleeping on things. He makes decisions in the moment. Like we're basically different in all the ways that we could be different. And I think that like human design has been such an unbelievable tool and giving us a language and a framework for those differences and the tools to honor them. Because I think whether it's romantic or business or as a parent, like we often get really tripped up when we expect someone to be different than what they are or more similar to us. And I think what human design does is one, it helps us honor our uniqueness, but two, it reminds us of how different each person is, you know, and gives us, gives us the tools to kind of support them in that, which is why it's so cool working with teams. You know, it's just like, you know, when you start to understand how each person is, how they need to be communicated to like where they're going to thrive, what container they need. It's just like everyone benefits. So I think that like the the level of understanding other people and how that can support us is just so profound. I'm curious, how has knowing your human design helped you during the chaos of 2020? I'm mm-hmm. trying to relate that to as many topics as possible because it's yeah. just so fascinating. We've never been through something like this as a collective. And so I'm curious how it relates to all these other things that we've each been studying and mastering in. Yeah, I mean, I think that like, 
I guess my experience with COVID is that one, more people are interested in learning about themselves than ever before. You know, I think that like, it's just like offered, I think a lot of people are just like, they're kind of done with doing a thing that doesn't work. So it's been like really cool to see that interest and see people just like stepping onto their path more. Um, I think that like, I guess my experience with clients, like let's use the example of projectors, like they're not really designed to do all the doing, like they're really meant to operate in ebbs and flows and like just honor their natural energy. Like it's allowed a lot of projectors to kind of step into that more easily because the world is not like hurrying around them in the same way. So they've been able to kind of connect to their more natural energy. So I think it's affecting everyone so differently, but I do feel like it is, it's just like such an unbelievable opportunity for many of just self-reflection, you know? I can say for me and my partner, it's like, we've actually never worked harder, you know? And there's just like, there's a lot going on, but I think that it's like, it just like, it has exposed all the areas in our design where we're really out of alignment and just like given us the tools to step right back in. So I think that like, so yeah, it affects everyone very differently, but it has been a really, I do feel like people are just like, they're no longer accepting like doing things in a way that they think they're supposed to. And they just feel very eager to do things in a way that actually feels aligned. So you said you have a partner. What is that person's human Human design? design? He's a generator. So he's a generator and his authority. So we didn't talk about authority, but it's how we make decisions. So you and I are emotional decision makers. It basically means that we both should sleep on things before you commit to big decisions. Whereas he (laughs) makes decisions in the moment kind of based on his visceral gut response. Um, so, and he's very like in the details and very much like a builder and I'm very, a little bit aloof and, um, more around just kind of like taking the bigger view, but also just like very into the, into the human design piece and less so in the details in the, in the business. Yeah. I wish I would have known I needed to sleep on things before those two timeshares I got roped into buying. (laughs) (laughs) I did return them in the three day window. (laughs) That's exactly it. You just like, you're going to be on an emotional high and be like, I'm, I'm yes, yes, yes. And then you wake up the next day, you're like, Mm-mm, no longer, you know? And so it's just like, it's so useful to know how different we, differently we each operate. It's like, oh, you have clarity in the moment, hundred percent go with it. Whereas like some people like clarity comes with time. You and I, clarity comes with time. And often we create a little bit more chaos for ourselves and everyone around us when we're more impulsive. They need to make like debit or credit cards specifically made for your human design. And it'll only allow like $5 to go through the day of, and it'll release the rest of it. A day or two. Oh, well, it's just so funny. I've had so many emotional decision makers, meaning again, that these people have to take time, like talk about shopping where it's like, they go shop and buy all the things. And then they like want to return it all the next day, you know? And so it's just like, again, that's why the decision-making piece is so key. Like when we enter into things correctly, whether it's just like buying clothes or buying a timeshare or choosing a partnership or a job, it's just like often that experience is going to be so much better. But if we're like more impulsive, we're not trusting our intuition or our gut or our voice or whatever it is for us, things can become a little bit more chaotic and all over the place. So you had mentioned authorities. What are the authorities and what do those speak to? So the authorities around how we make decisions. So there are lots of different ones. So there are some people that are emotional, like I said, you and I. So this can be true for generators, manifesting generators, projectors, and manifestors. And it basically means that for us, clarity comes with time. The best thing that we can do is sleep on things, feel into things. Not, you know, when we talk about excuses, it's not about like postponing a decision indefinitely, but it's giving yourself like one, two, three days to really check in and make sure. Because like as a manifesting generator, you've got a really strong gut response. Like that's going to play a big role, but it's just not meant to be a thing that you can always trust in the moment because it's going to be kind of like affected by your emotional experience. So just giving yourself a couple days before you commit. So you're not meant to be super reactive. Whereas if people are, and I'm sure that there'll be a link in the show notes, but you can look up your design at erinclairjones.com slash look up and there are lots of places online. But this is, if you look up inner authority, this is the part that I'm referencing right now. 
If you're a sacral decision maker, it means that you're designed to make decisions based on your gut response in the moment. So there's no need to sleep on things. It's basically like as soon as like once you get that full body gut response, you can go for it. You know, and so often these people have been like, I have to sleep on things and feel into it. But like they actually just have a knowing in the moment and they're just meant to kind of like act on it. You know, one other piece I would just share specific to yours and the sacral before I move on is that like because you've got such a powerful visceral gut response in your design, like it can be really useful to have the people around you ask you very specific questions. So instead I'd be like, where do you want to go for dinner? Like, what do you want to do tonight? It'd be like, do you want to go here or here? Do you want to do this or this? Kind of like giving you simple yes, no questions that basically allow you to bypass your mind and get you straight into your gut. Makes sense. A hundred percent. I could actually feel my energy shift when you worded those questions in a different way. It it is a a thing that's always happening. My husband will ask me like, Oh, what do you want? And I'm like, I I don't want to make the decision at all. But then it's like, if he just says one thing, I want some sort of, (laughs) some sort of say in this. So that is a really good thing to know. And just kind of give me two or three options. I'll tell you from there. Exactly. And it's just like, it's not that I don't have an answer. I just need to be asked in a different way. And this is such a good example of like, when you're working with teams, why it's so useful to know who the people are. It's like, okay, you're a projector. Like, it's good for me to invite you in. Or like, you're a manifesting generator. Like, and you have a gut response. So maybe I'll like give you options and not ask you open-ended questions. Like, there's just like so many specifics in terms of how we can like function best with the people around us. So that's key for you. And none of us, before I go through the other ones, I'll just say that none of us are meant to make, make decisions from our mind. Like none of us are meant to create like a pro-con list and rationalize it because our minds are so powerful that we can basically convince ourselves in or out of anything. So there are some people that are splenic decision makers. This basically means you're meant to trust your intuition in the moment. It's like different than the gut response. The gut is a very visceral feeling in your belly. The intuition is like a quiet, spontaneous knowing. It's like a whisper that you hear, like resonance that you feel, like just tingles that you feel, like a voice, like just like the spontaneous knowing. And these people are meant to be very spontaneous and super impulsive. So as soon as they get that quiet, intuitive knowing just to act. There are some people that are ego decision makers. It basically means they're designed to make decisions based on whether or not they really have the willpower to do something or whether or not their heart's really in it. And they're actually meant to be... healthily selfish in their decisions. So really kind of only making decisions that really take care of them. That's how they can actually like really offer value when a decision like really takes care of them in return. Um, Some people are what we call self-projected decision makers. It means their truth comes out when they give it a voice. So the best thing they can do is surround themselves with people that they trust and just let themselves talk and see how they respond to what comes out of their mouth. Voice recording, journaling can be so useful for these people. There's some people that are called nut or mental projectors, and they also need to kind of talk things out, but also be in environments that feel good during it. And finally, reflectors need to basically give themselves a full 28 to 30 days before they make a big decision, um, which always sounds pretty wild to me, but every reflector I talk to seems to really understand it. And so they just kind of need to sample a decision from lots of different angles to really verify that it's correct for them. So even if they can't give themselves a full 30 days, I encourage them to like surround themselves by people and be in environments where they're not being kind of hurried or pressured to kind of do things in a timing that doesn't work for them. Which seems like the way we're kind of all pressured into doing things all the time. (laughs) 100%, you know, and it's just like, we all actually need like have different ways of doing it. And so just like understanding those differences is so empowering. It just brings me back to so many of the masculine success books that I read from the 70s or whatever, you know, you, there's so many of these books. A lot of the classics are the male oriented 
ways and and they're like make a quick decision make a decision right now make uh just do 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 instead of feel 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 and it's just so interesting how the more we understand the more we realize yeah that might work for like three percent of us but most of us need a whole different way whole different way you know and that's why it's like when you talk about like you know cultivating romantic relationships or building a business or marketing it's like there's so much or even eating you know human design speaks to eating like there's so much blanket advice out there of like this is how you should do it and like human design just reveals that we actually each have a totally unique path and our blueprint is different and where we get tripped up is when we try to walk a path that's not ours you know and so i think that just like the reminder that we all need different things to operate differently, need to market differently, build businesses differently is so empowering because it just is like how you succeed might not be how I succeed and that's okay. Give me an example of how human design can speak to eating because that sounds really interesting. And I come from a background of a pretty heavy eating disorder. Eating has just been something I've really had to develop a relationship with. So what is that about? So one thing I'll say before I share yours, like I'll just with all of human design, like, you know, the point is to like tune into your authority, tune into yourself, make, does this feel right? Like, I'm never going to be like, just go do this thing, you know, like, regardless of how it feels. So just, you know that, but like, I think that human design, this eating piece is not always the first piece that I recommend diving into, but it really can be powerful. So there are a couple pieces that would be, and I'll share you just cause it's a good example. So like one aspect around your eating is that like, you're actually meant to be, um, a more active eater. And basically what I mean by that is that like your brain needs a lot of fuel. So I don't know whether or not you fast, at least according to your human design, like the recommendation would be to like eat actually in a more regular way. It's like eating before you have a meeting, like breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, whatever you feel inspired to, but like your brain actually needs a lot of fuel to operate. So like keeping it fed doesn't mean that you need to have like huge meals, you know, but just kind of regularity rather than kind of like depriving it. Whereas like I'm a more inconsistent eater where it's like, very in flow. It's like when I'm hungry, when I'm thirsty, you know, I might not need that consistency. My brain doesn't need that fuel in the same way. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. I am one, the more I understand about myself and the more I'm in touch with my body and not on medications and not on birth control and not doing these things that somehow numbing myself from my body, I found I get really hangry. Like I, it'll be a few hours since the last time I ate. Like it doesn't seem like I should be that affected by it. But my husband even knows he's like, you need to eat, like eat something and then talk to me. And I'm like, oh, okay. And sometimes it's just like, I'm acting like I'm in fight or flight just because it's been too long since breakfast. Exactly. You know, and it's so funny because like my partner like eats more than me, but also needs regularity in a way that I never have. And I remember just like not quite understanding it for a while. You know, it's like, how does what? And I just like looking at how different we were in this area was like, oh my God, of course. Like it just made so much sense. And like such a reminder again that we can't apply to like what works for us to other people. Um, the other aspect for you, and also I will say that human design never tells us like what to eat. I'm not gonna be like, okay, like you need to be a vegetarian, you can't eat dairy. For you, it's actually about the conditions under which you eat it. And so this is why human design starts to get really crazy. So like for you, it's actually best to not eat cold food, but to eat food that is like above body temperature. So like hot water, tea, soups, not eating something directly out of the fridge off the stove is perfect. Letting things cool down or warm up a little bit is really good for you because like it's good for you to have food that kind of warms you up but not cools you down. That's super interesting because that's actually in line with what my Ayurveda doshas as well, (laughs) which is just interesting. It's so, and whereas some people, they need food that cools them down. It's like, don't even eat something off the stove, like right out of the fridge, like cold water. So it just really, and like, for example, like for me, it's like all around 
eating when there's like a lot of activity around me, like eating when I'm walking or standing up or like, you know, not like being super sedentary for a long period. Whereas I was always like, I want to like sit down and eat, but just like moving is actually the best thing for me. And like my partner, he eats best, like during the day, like when the sun is up and kind of, he loves, he goes on the roof and like eats in the sun. Whereas like, you know, a client I sat with earlier, she eats her best meal, like her biggest meal, like when the sun sets, you know, and there's so much like knowledge out there, like, you know, don't eat after a certain time. Like actually for some people, it's like really good to eat very light during the day and like eating their biggest, densest meal later at night. So it's just like so many different ones. It's just like so wild. And I find that often when I introduce it to people, like they intuitively were doing it at a very young age. And then they kind of like work themselves out of it because I thought something was wrong with it. So we often do it really intuitively when we're young and we often just need to kind of like nudge back into it. I love doing that comparison of like, what am I learning about myself now? And what were my intuitive habits as a child? Because it's so interesting how often mm. as a child, we just know more about ourselves than later on because we're not conditioned yet. So that's super interesting. Mm. And so Thank you so much for all the wisdom that you shared yeah. here. I know that last time I was looking into human design, I was just so stoked about it. And it really was helpful at that part of my business. And I'm excited to get back into it and let it Good. speak to how I'm moving forward. So for listeners who are curious about learning more about their human design or want to work with you, where's the best place they can connect with you online? And I will link to the the link that you mentioned already in the show notes. Perfect. Yeah. So I'm Erin Claire Jones everywhere. So Erin Claire Jones on Instagram. My website's erinclairejones.com. Um, lots of places, lots of ways to work together, but you know, the kind of easiest, most successful one is something called the blueprint and we can do a discount for your audience if you want. And it basically is just a 30 page PDF that I make on your unique design. So it kind of is like, I always say we come into this life without an operating manual and human design just gives us the manual. So it's meant to kind of be like your own operating manual that you can return to. Like exactly like you said, it's just like, we need it at different times. Like I have people that like look at their blueprint, like two years later, or every month or every week. And it's just like a new thing will kind of emerge every time. It's just like a tool to bring us back into alignment. Um, and then I do sessions, individual sessions, partnership sessions. And I also do um, immersive workshops and also work with teams. All of the links from this episode will be at mindlove.com slash 160. So as I said, I'm going to be giving you a link to look up your human design for free. So don't forget to get that in the show notes at mindlove.com slash 160. And your challenge for this week is to go do that. <laughs> so it's actually so fascinating and so much fun learning these different aspects of yourself. And what I like to remind people is that all of these ways that we understand ourselves more are ways to expand our natural use of energy rather than boxing ourselves in. So I think the worst thing you can do when you're looking up your personality charts or your Enneagram or your Myers-Briggs or your human design is to use these things as an excuse to not live up to your potential. But what I like to do is look for the possibilities. Always be solution focused when you're seeing things through the lens of your chart or your results or whatever it is. So for me, I can look at being a manifesting generator and be like, oh man, I wish I was a manifester, or that means I can't do this, or that means I can't do that. But instead, I like to see what is it that I want to accomplish, and how can I best use my natural energy and my resources in order to create that? So it's really the same thing, but it's through a solution-focused approach. I talk a lot about using your limitations as guidelines even. And, you know, I've gone through a lot of stuff in my past where 
I know that there's certain things that it's not a good idea if I do. And with human design, there's certain ways of working that it doesn't seem like it's a good idea if I do that. But instead of viewing those as things that box me in, I use them as a way to limit my options so that I can find the right path faster. And that is so empowering because it's it's a way to look at the world that will start to infiltrate every time you look at the world. Instead of looking for the problems happening around you, you begin to look for the solutions. So look up your human design chart and spend a little time figuring out what you might learn about yourself or maybe some small shifts that you can make in order to maximize or optimize your way of approaching the world. Also, if you haven't yet signed up for the Morning Mind Love, You should. People love the morning mind love, especially lately with as hard as times have been. The amount of responses I've been getting back from people saying this is just the way that they needed to start the morning or exactly the message that they need to hear. I do find that when I write these, it's when I'm somehow channeling something beyond myself. And I swear, even reading them on my own, I'm like, wow, this is exactly what I needed to hear. Way to go, Melissa. (laughs) So sign up for that by texting morning to 33777 or you can just go to mindlove.com and sign up right there on the homepage. If you love Mind Love and haven't yet left a five-star review, I will so, so appreciate it. That's what I want for Christmas. It's really, really helpful for the growth of the show. And thank you all who have gone and left a five-star review. You have no idea how much it means to me. So thanks for giving your mind a little love today, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week.